next and last stop is Atlantic Avenue Barclays Center. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. lot of Nets podcasts. I mean, Oof. the only Net fans you know, the only what, the only Nets fans you know, at least they've got some self-aware. I mean, come on, Look man. Where are these guys? Welcome back to the only Nets fans you know podcast. I'm Peter. I'm joined as always by my friend and fellow Nets confidant, Charlie. We hot. Who's hot? Nets are hot. We're all hot. Let's go. Nets are on fire. As always, we're just going to jump straight into it. What's the working title? All I want for Christmas is Utah. I like it. Happy holidays, everybody. I like Happy it. holidays. I was a little worried about your singing, but you, you nailed it. I'm impressed. Oh, I did. I did not nail it, but I wasn't planning on singing it, but I was feeling it. Well, considering it's your singing, it was very good. Considering. Considering. Not so bad. All right, state of the team. We are 19 and 12. 12 and 3 the last 15. Probably the hottest team in the NBA. Nets are right now stuck at the fourth seed, but inching closer. I think they're three games out of the first seed. They're, I think, maybe a game and a half out of the Cavs. Depending if they if they win when when this gets released, we are ninth in offensive rating, thirteenth in defensive rating. First game I'm going to go over is that game in Indiana, the one thirty three to one thirty win. It was the back end of a back to back. The Nets were without Katie, Kyrie, Ben, Clack, Seth, Joe, Royce, and T.J. Warren. The starting lineup was a bubble nets lineup. Patty. I don't even know. Sumner. I don't even know if you call it a bubble nets lineup. Technically they, these guys were not in the bubble, but pretty much, you know, this was the end of the bench. Patty, Less Sumner, Kess, Morris, and Sharp were the starters. And they had a gutsy win, double digits down, used a 19 to four run to pull off the upset of Indiana. And there's just a lot to unpack in this game. Very gutsy win by this group. I felt like there was no chance that they were going to win this game. Uh, it didn't really seem like it, man. Just judging by going into it, it's just you needed some. The only way, the only way we could have really pulled this off, you just needed a game, a, a guy, just someone who was going to just light it up. I don't know who that was going to be, but game transpired and it turned out to be Cam Thomas, Pete. Had 33 points on 13 of 20 shooting. 21 of those points were in the fourth quarter. Um, whatever he's been learning from KD has been working because he just pulled a KD in the fourth quarter. He just went off. Went off. You you know, you know credit to, you know, Jock Vaughn to having these guys ready to play. When was the last time Patty Mills played, Pete? Before this Before game, the last time he played was in November. Patty Mills put up 24 points, 6 assists, and 6 rebounds. Shout out to Patty Mills, man. The guy who came, he's ready to play. Hasn't played. You know, big part of the reason why he hasn't been playing is because of his defense. 
Um, and Jock Vaughn's made it clear that if you're not playing defense, you're not playing. So if people are wondering what's going on with Patty, that's uh, that's one of the reasons. But this game against Indy, he really proved, like, you know, this guy could really uh, still shoot the ball, huh? Um, other than that, you got a big game from Dayron Sharp. Guy, like you said, Claxon out. Uh, Uda out. You're not Uda out, but yeah. Uh, Uda actually came back this game, I think. This was his first game back from injury, if I'm not mistaken. Something um, like that. Is it? Maybe. Um, but yeah, Dayron Sharp, 20 points and 12 rebounds. Double-double. Nine Nine of those rebounds were offensive. So, for a team that's, like, literally void of offensive rebounding, Aaron Sharp was a big reason why we won this game. Um, For the Pacers, big game from Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Miles Turner, who we've discussed in possible trades. I wasn't too thrilled with the way he played this game because it was low rebounding numbers. Nets can't need a rebounder, and Nets don't... And they need a scoring, but Miles Miles Turner doesn't really uh, move the needle, especially this game. Kind of disappointed me. Only three rebounds. Only three rebounds, exactly. One one big thing I think was this game. I spoke about it. How Jock Vaughn really is the reason why you had this team ready. Uh, you talk about Jock Vaughn switching to his own defense after the half, and I think that made a big difference. What do you think? I think that was the difference. I thought it was very like sly of them to switch to it because this was something that was planned. The Pacers wound up shooting 55% from the field, 57% from three. They, it was raining. It was raining threes and raining shots at one point. But he stuck to his guns. He said he wasn't going to go into the zone until after the half. It just really made the difference. Very impressive. Very impressive call by JV to go to the zone defense. And, you know, like you mentioned with the rebounding, that's won the rebound battle 59 to 30. He almost had as many rebounds on the offensive glass as Indy did in total. 29 offensive rebounds for a team that doesn't rebound. Just a really, really gutsy, gutsy win. But I really thought it was impressive that you had four guys that had 20 plus points. Four guys who don't play really too often, mind you, which is crazy to think about. Um, what really disappointed me, though, Pete, this game, honestly, Kessler Edwards, man. The guy hasn't had many opportunities, and he got some time to play this game. He only put up, what, three points? He just doesn't look, doesn't look like he's right, or I don't know. He just. Compared to last year, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe because they didn't have any other options at then, and he got more looks. I don't know what it is. Who do you think was uh, the biggest winner? You would say out of this game, who are you most impressed with out of the players? I gotta go with Cam Thomas, man. I'm sorry, I, I, dude, the guy, fucking unbelievable, unbelievable all game. I was poised, shot a high percentage game, super efficient. I'm also really impressed with Dayron Sharp too, given like these guys' lack of playing time. Like basically, Patty Dayron and uh, Cam are my. Th- I I can give it to all of them, but I go to Cam. I would give it to Dayron, but uh, I think Cam definitely deserves, you know, some recognition. Really, I think all like all these guys do. 
you had some that are putting up 20 plus points. That game, I felt like, came out of nowhere. Patty getting six rebounds. Where did that come from? Just, uh, just ridiculous. It was just a ridiculous game and a great, great win for this Nets team that I feel like uh, continued the progress. Just another notch in the Jock Vaughn, uh, uh, or the feather in the cap, I per se, of the Jock Vaughn hat. Um, so, um, moving on to our next contest against the Wizards, we had a 112 to 100 victory, keeping the win streak going. Uh, basically, I, this was a blowout. It looked like a blowout. It looked like the Nets were just going to run away with this one, right? Um, didn't turn out that way. They took the lead uh, 6.30 into the second quarter and never looked back. They led by double digits for most of the game. Shot 29% from three. And they just, all game, were ice cold, but somehow they managed to win it. Um, AD, 30 points. 11-17, super efficient. Nine rebounds and six assists. Ben, 10 points. You see what I did there? Ben, 10, 10 points. Eight rebounds, five assists. Uh, Kyrie Irving, 24 points, 5 assists, and 6 rebounds. So those are the net scores. Again, you're going to see a trend with these games. You're going to see a lot of scoring from KD and Kyrie, so get ready. Get ready. Um, the Wizards, you got Barton putting up 22 points. Kuzma and Przingis both had 20 points each. Something to note this game, Pete. Um, Seth Curry, 1 of 7. Yuta Watanabe had a cold game, 1 of 6. Uh, so you want to check those guys' trends out, and you want to talk about Seth a little bit. He's kind of slowly working his way out of the rotation a little bit. I'm not saying fully, but back to the defense thing I go last game, Jacques Vaughn is not going to play you if you're not going to contribute on a defensive end. Right now, Seth Curry is a liability on defense. He can shoot the lights out, but if he's cold, he's basically useless at this point, to Jacques Vaughn anyway. Um Another thing, another big game from TJ Warren, Pete, is something to look forward to going forward. This guy's going to be a big piece for us off the bench. 12 points on 6 of 10 shooting. And that was basically the Wizards game. Anything you want to add to it? But let's go to Toronto. A 119-116 to thriller in Jurassic Park. <laughs> game tied at 116. Couple seconds left in the timeout, in a huddle. The ball's going to go to KD. KD says... Kai had it going the whole fourth. Um, to start the fourth, he made big shots. He made tough shots all fourth. I came in there, you know, I usually come in there about five, six minutes in the fourth, seven minutes sometimes, and he already cooking, so I don't want to get in his way. Um, so we, we kept finding him late in the game. He made some big shots, and I was just like, Jog, I think, I think Kai should take this one. Kyrie hits the game-winning three on a step back. The Kyrie Irving, spin out, backs up, right wing three for the win. God, Kyrie Irving wins it at the buzzer in Toronto. And it was just nice seeing Kyrie getting swarmed by his teammates for everything that, you know, that he's been through this year and really the last, like, three years, really. Yeah, Pete, that was a, that was a really awesome moment. Uh, even imagine if that was in Brooklyn. How? Oh my God! How that the Barclays Center roof would have exploded. I if we were at that game, 
we would have lost our minds. You would never have been able to speak for days after that. You would have went crazy, and you know it. That was, a, that was a fucking unbelievable ISO. He, he shook Fred. Fred Van Vliet is a good defender. Very okay, good. Very good defender. He cooked him. He absolutely cooked him. He he got him bit on that drive so bad. He bit so bad. I mean, again, if Kyrie misses that shot, we're not really t- – we could be talking about an overtime loss or a win. But still – Get the shot. That's that's not that. That's what that's what matters. And honestly, what a dagger! I mean, that ball didn't even hit, barely hit the net. It was sick. It was oh man, I'm getting chills just thinking about that. That was a fucking dagger. I don't think I've seen a more ice cold Nets game winner in a while. I think maybe Joe Johnson has a couple of really really nice ones, but that one was just smooth, and it was just cold as hell. That's all. I was happy for him. KD put up 28 points. Ben had 10 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists. The hero, Kyrie, 32 points, 13 of 22 shooting with 5 assists. Fred Van Fleet, 39 points, a fucking pain in the ass. And just to note, the reason why KD wanted to make this audible was one, like I mentioned, that he was going to get trapped. And two, he thought Kyrie would have a good chance getting a shot off on Fred Van Fleet, who's a little bit shorter. I thought that was a little interesting. Scotty Barnes put up 26 points. Uh, two guys that were not part of the big three that I feel like need to get some recognition. you got to give a heads up of some props to Yuta. 17 points, hitting a big shot with 16 seconds left. Clax was just a fucking monster. 15 points, 10 rebounds, six blocks. Just like, a, he just, Clax just dominated. And Yuta was just clutch. I got to give these guys some props. Uh, yo, that Yuta that three-pointer, what was it, to take the two-point lead at the end of the game, Pete? Kyrie was, look, everyone, every, you saw how everyone just swarmed Kyrie. Kyrie took it to the house, had like three people on him. And that's what you said about, we're going to, you know, move on with this one, but again, it's the spacing. The spacing is so key with this team. It's giving Yuta all these opportunities to make these shots, and he's taking advantage of it. So, it, what a fucking clutch shot by Yuta. And also, talk about Kyrie just being aware not to take the stupid shot there and pass it. You know, Yuta um, also had a sick pass to Ben Simmons, had a drive to the dish, and just nice pass to Ben. The guy made... Some sick plays this game. A big reason why we won. So Neil, though, Pete. Wow. I'm back. Was this his first? It was his first game back from personal reasons, I believe. Right. So similarly, I'm not I'm not too clear on it, but uh, I know why you're mentioning him. Not zero, a pretty game. Zero points after playing 32 minutes, Pete. 0 of 4, five fouls, three turnovers. Oof. Woof, woof, woof. I mean, he's he's had better games, that's for sure. Can't make this a trend going forward if you're Royce. He's a hell of a defender, though. I thought, even though he had five fouls, I thought he had made some really good defensive plays in the uh, towards the, you know, in the latter part of the game when it mattered on during that comeback. Um, then uh, again, you guys, Pete, we gotta. How lucky are we to have a guy like T.J. Warren coming off the bench as a luxury, to putting just six, taking six shots, hitting four of them, being super efficient. Can't 
can't express enough how these are the little reasons why we're winning games. Yeah, we have KD and Kyrie putting these crazy lopsided numbers, but when you have your bench players shooting very efficiently like this, it's 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 gonna have a good time. Um, anything else you want to add? No, I think I think you nailed it. I think you nailed it. I, I'm very impressed with TJ Warren so far. Very smooth considering he hasn't played in two years. I'm kind of shocked that there's no rust or little rust. And I, I think he really puts them over the top. But let's go to Detroit. The largest comeback of the year. 7-11 had 82 points and a 124-121 win. KD, third quarter. Nets were down 17 at the half. A 26-point third quarter. A career high for him in a quarter. Just crazy game. And he actually made a bad turnover toward the end of the game, late in the fourth. Kyrie misses a free throw. Detroit has a chance to tie. Klax gets a piece of a Bogdanovich three at the last second. That's win. Great game. Maybe it should have, it should have not been this close, right? But uh, crazy game. Yeah, man. All these games have been really exciting. These all, I think, minus that Wizards game. I mean, the last ten games the Nets have been on a ten and one rip. All these games have been really good. Um, the talent hasn't been. You know, we we played some weaker teams for sure, but doesn't matter. We're getting wins. And good teams put teams away, win win tough games against tough opponents, and that's basically, um, you know what what to, like Toronto is, what Detroit is. They're lower teams, Wizards. They're lower teams, but they they got good players that fight. Um, I guess you got an old friend, Bojan Bogdanovic, twenty six points. Jaden Ivey had a good game, young guy, nineteen points. Uh, but. When, when you got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on your team, man, especially these younger teams, it's overwhelming. You can't compete with these guys at that level. And um, 82 points from two players is nuts. I think Royce O'Neal was the only player with double-digit points, I think. He had, I want to say, like 11 points or something like that. I mean, ridiculous. Besides 7-11, of course. Yeah, um, Ben Simmons only four points, but he had eight rebounds and eight assists. So it's like he's he contributed to a lot, regardless of his point total. Uh, a little weird moment. Um, TJ Warren had a nice first half going, and Doc uh, Vaughn just decided not to play him. Um, why? I think maybe because it was more of an um, an adjustment to the defense, and he basically said in the post game interview. Uh, he just liked what, um, you know, the other the other lineup brought to the table as opposed to not having Warren there. I guess he just didn't seem like Warren was doing it for him on the defensive end. Um, yeah, so basically that's it. Anything else you want to add? Just a great game. Just a great game. Very happy with how this team is, is going right now. Are they uh, – are they the team to beat in the East right now? Uh, Pete, I don't know. I don't think so right now, man. I think this team has still a lot to prove. Um, I'm really happy with the way they're playing, though. I'm really, ha- I'm really happy with how Jock Vaughn is holding this team accountable. 
Uh, guys are playing hard again. They're playing with purpose. Katie and Kyrie are also playing up to the duo they're advertised to be. They got, I think there's, they got the right pieces around them finally. They have a good fit. We're going to see because we got a lot of tough opponents coming up into the holidays and into the new year. So there's going to be a big test. I think the Nets are one of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. And uh, the Knicks are up there, unfortunately. They got a, I think they got a nice win streak, seven-game win streak going. Celtics and the Bucks are, I, they're not struggling. They lost a couple of games in their last few, uh, but they're still the teams to beat, in my opinion. But the Nets are getting there, I think. I really do. I don't know if making a trade works or we let this team ride it out and see what we got. But we'll see. Yep, I, I, I agree. Uh, I don't know if I would mess up the team chemistry right now with the trade, but I still do think they need a big man. But one of the reasons why they are doing so well is Yuta Watanabe. Uh, I wanted to kind of get a little deeper look into how this guy is just having the remarkable season that he's having so far. August 28th, the Nets sign Yuta Watanabe to basically a camp deal. People are making jokes. People are like, who is this guy? Some people with a little more knowledge say, oh, you know, he could help off the end of the bench. But no one really was saying this guy's going to be our sixth man. He's going to be the heart and soul of this team. The last three years, stats were, you know, I don't want to say scrub-ish, but lower bench level, 12 minutes a game. Averages three points, 40% from the field. Nice three-point, though, 35% on 1.6 attempts per game. This year, we're up to 18 minutes, eight points, 56% from the field, 52% from three on three attempts a game. How is this happening? What do you think? Well, if you're asking me, I am. I just think he's got uh, less. He's got a lot of other guys on his team with that require more gravity. So basically, what I'm saying is, Katie and Kyrie open up the floor for spacing. When you have clear in basketball, when you have clear outs, in other words, when KD or Kyrie take the ball at the top of the key, they want to run an ISO play. You need to clear out benefit of having a guy like Yuta there is that he could stretch the floor. In other words, if like you saw in the uh, Raptors game where Kyrie kind of just took the ball and w- took it to the house and tried to score that way. However, he was trapped with three guys. He made the right move in getting the ball to the wing and open you to Watanabe. I think that's one of the main reasons why you see success. He's getting easy, open looks. He's making it the best of it. He's making like you said, over 50% of his three-point attempts. And now basically half of them, or I think majority of them, as you said earlier, are catch and shoot. So I really do think that's one of the main reasons. And he's benefiting from this because, um, again, I think that's really the main reason. But Pete, he's doing he's not just doing that. He's doing other things like playing defense, and passing the ball at the right times. He's, he's a team player. He's got great locker room chemistry. There's no reason not to be playing him, keep riding him right now. Um, I think he's the perfect fit to be a stretch five. I don't think playing him 
is a sustainable thing all game. I don't think making him a starter is a, a good thing. I think keeping him as a six-man and maybe finishing the games out is the right move for him going forward. Yeah. The Nets do, like you said, the Nets sometimes have a clear route. If they're doing one-on-one with the superstars, you have you know a pick set at, at the top of, top of the key. Oftentimes, you'll have Yuta's man will be the third guy coming to help out on a driving Kyrie who got a, a pick from uh, from Clax or Ben. This guy, Yuta, just stays in the corner, wide open three. And the numbers show that. On He has 54 field goals this year. 45 of them have been assisted, including all of his threes. All 29 of his threes have been assisted on, meaning he's really not making his own shot. So it's just very, very interesting. But one thing I do have to give him lots of props for is on selfishness, his defense, and like you mentioned. And this guy's just really clutch. Fourth quarter numbers. He's hitting 69% from the field in the fourth quarter. 68% from three. The last three minutes of the fourth quarter. Six of eight from the field, that's 75%. Three of five from three, 60%. This guy is just clutch, has heart, hustles. Sometimes I think he maybe will, uh, how could I say this? He's a little too unselfish. He'll have a good look and he might pass it out a little bit. But uh, I, I, it's very hard to complain about this guy. See, I, I think you you hit the nail on the head. I think he overplays and also underplays a little bit. I think his mistakes is that he's sometimes too passive and he's also then sometimes too aggressive. I think those are really his only offensive flaws. Um, I, I really don't analyze him as much on the defensive floor because he's a he's a he's not he's just I guess they kind of play him at a power forward defensively. If Claxton's playing, they have Claxton playing. They usually have him and Claxton and KD on the floor at the end of the game. And Ben Simmons and Kyrie. That's what they've been running lately. However, I don't think Ben Simmons and Claxton should be on the same floor together. Regardless, that's another story for another day. But, yeah, back to you. To Basically, you know, I don't know where his role is going to be moving forward. But I think all signs support to you got to keep giving him a chance to keep you know, showing you stuff because every opportunity you've given him, he's excelled in. He's done a great job. He's just done a hell of a job. And also, it's just gaining the trust of his teammates. Having that kind of trust in one another builds chemistry, and this is how we build a, a contender. Keep in mind, this guy's contract is not guaranteed yet. Yeah, man. And he's just fun to watch, and he's a hell of... And he's just fun to root for. What's not to like? He's a... You no, know, he's a he's a feel good story. He's a delight. I don't know what you want to call him. He's basically uh, a guy who is probably not going to be in, wasn't going to be in the league, and now he's a uh, you know a staple on a contender. You know, almost a six man even. Mm-hmm. Obviously, his numbers are too like quote unquote too good. Uh, we do expect a return to average, and I think we're going to start seeing it soon. In November, he shot 61% from the field, 57% from three. In December, coming back from an injury, and yes, it's a small sample size. We only had a handful of games in December that he's played. 
44% from the field, 38% from three. I think teams are going to start to not give him those open threes anymore. They're going to have to start to stick with him. I, um, yeah, I, I don't, the, the injury, the injury, I can't really, he missed th- two or three games with the injury. A little more. It was a, like, I think it was like almost five, six. So, you know, the sample size obviously shrinks missing that because it or says early in the season, it's a big sample size to miss already. So it, we got to see, I think, I, prefer, I think we can get a good idea how he's going to be. I think all-star break is a good way to gauge, but right now, man, all signs point to what a, what a great find, especially team that's kind of in the need of a stretch five now that getting a guy that can hustle like this build and boost the team's hustle i i get i guarantee people see him hustling and want to hustle as well all right let's get to our wrap up that james harden article i just thought that was some real really some shit because he goes i'm not trying to make any excuses but Claims there was no structure in Brooklyn, which I think that's a fair assessment. He he was asked, how would you sum up your time in Brooklyn? Said injuries. Injuries held him back. There was the story in the article that in the game that he hurt his hamstring against the Bucks, that he was in the car with his friend screaming fuck over and over because he he knew how serious it was. He had a lot of issues with the strength staff. Uh, there's a lot of issues with the Nets and their, I don't want to say preparation when going to, to taking care of injuries and uh, pre like injury prevention. So nothing, really nothing new here, but I just thought it was some interesting shit that he was, you know, saying all this stuff now. Super interesting you say that, Pete, because you kind of hear conflicting things from the other side of it, the KD side of it, the net side of it. Things like Harden was disinterested, out of shape, didn't really seem to care about conditioning. Hear stuff like that, and you wonder whose fault really was it. I'm sure there was a lot to be for both sides. And at the end of the day, it just didn't seem to be a great fit. And I, I really hope we can make Ben Simmons work here because, man, I mean – he really gave up a lot for Harden. Vert and Allen are really, you know, showing their hitting their stride in their careers. And if we were just a little patient with those guys. We may have, we may, have, I don't know where we'd be right now. We may be as as good, if not better, than the Celtics. Who knows? These are all hypotheticals. But you know, KD and you hear stuff about KD saying they would always argue, argue. But you know, they they all had, they both had conflicting ideas on which direction the team should go in and they both seem to butt heads a lot and they used and there was even like supposedly there was even a uh an argument about kd calling hard and out of shape and basically called him fat to his face during your practice i don't know how much of that's bullshit but i just think it's funny like you said how all this stuff seems to be coming around around the same time it's the as, they, as we always call it pete it's the greatest show on the hardwood it's basically a fucking all a a drama reality show. All it is. Mm. Very, very interesting. Yeah. I feel like James Harden in that in that era was the most fun I've had as a Nets fan since the VC days, since the finals days. And I yo, I, I 
the reason why I curse out James Harden so much is because he was really my favorite player. I've never had a superstar that wanted to come to the Nets and was like forcing a trade to the Nets. Like this is this was unheard of in New Jersey. And he went from being my favorite player to probably the most hated Nets player ever, I guess. I've never seen someone get so much love turn into so much hate in less than a year. Or like I guess what a little over a year, I guess. Man, it's big, big, big flip flop, and I, I fuck that guy, man. He gave up. He quit on the team, and I don't care what any article says about him not wanting to be part of the staff, not being accommodated, whatever it was. He, he quit. I mean, like if you don't, if you mentally check out of somewhere, you mentally check out. You, if you want to be somewhere, you make it work. Not after that short of a period of time. If it was a, after a couple of years, I understand it, Pete, but it's like literally half a year. Not even like a, a full, like they didn't even get a full healthy playoff series, the big three. But listen, we've, you know, we could talk about this. Like, There's going to be a 30 for 30 on this one day. They did have so, a healthy playoff let, series. They beat the Celtics. They beat the Celtics healthy, remember? Yeah, I don't know. That was the most fun, but whatever. Moving on. I guess you want me to introduce this part because I've been excited about it, so I'm going to. Want to talk about it? So you know how in the NBA they changed the, the they didn't change anything. They just changed the award names. They just wanted to give the awards like the MVP a name to the awards. So the MVP award, the Michael Jordan Trophy, uh, the Defensive Player of the Year award is the Hakeem Olajuwon Trophy, Rookie of the Year is the Wilt Chamberlain Trophy, the Sixth Man of the Year is the John Havlicek Trophy, the Most Improved Player is the George McCann Trophy. And there's a new award called the Clutch Player of the Year, which I don't know how they're going to really gauge it. This one's going to be interesting. How they're going to – there's going to be some definitely um, – there's definitely going to be some uh, botch jobs with this award given over the years. So it's called the Clutch Player of the Year Award, otherwise known as the Jerry West Trophy. I want to – a little Nets version of this, Pete. So we have – I want to name the, the net, all-time Nets awards trophies with all-time great Nets players. So why, why don't we start it off? Uh, why don't you start it off for us, Pete? Sure. For the clutch player of the year, in net, I guess in, net, in the Netiverse, we would call it, I think this man deserves this stuff, at least definitely in Brooklyn. There's nothing close. You got to give it to Joe Johnson. The Joe Johnson Clutch Player of the Year Award. Wow. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if you're gonna really find anyone else as clutch, but maybe KD. Um, I don't know. That's about it. Um, I'd still give it. Joe Johnson has so many game winners. It's disgusting. He has like six. Um, so the, who would you put as the most improved trophy? What what net name? Well, we wanted it to be a little funny, a little, uh, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek. Why not give it a Yuta? The most improved award is now the Yuta Watanabe Award. Absolutely named. Couldn't have named it better myself, even though I did. Um, so the sixth man of the year is going to be none other than Nets legend, the Nets great 
everyone knows, played a hot minute in the Nets uniform. But this man is the epitome of the six man. He's called Mr. Six Man in some states. None other than Jamal Crawford trophy. Yeah. I don't know. Easy. I couldn't think of a Nets that was... I don't think there's any net to win a six-man. I couldn't think of a six-man. So give it to the guy who has the most six-mans to ever don a Nets uniform. Had a cup of coffee in the bubble with the Nets. Put up like 17 points. Had a decent game. And that was all she wrote for Jamal Crawford. But You mean like a decent uh, two minutes? Decent two minutes. But yet, whatever. Still gets He still gets his own trophy. And uh, only Nets fans you know, eyes. So the rookie of the year, pretty obvious trophy because he's the only Nets rookie of the year ever. That's the Derek Coleman trophy. I think he won it in 1990. So I don't know. I I don't know how else you would. Uh, I mean, you can give it to who else? We don't even have any. Do we have any rookies this year? Well, not even. That. I just think a former rookie of the year should get this award. Yeah. I mean, we don't even, right. Yeah, we don't even have any rookies this year. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> that sounded so sad when you said that. Like, who do we who do we draft other than? It's not in the G League right now. There's just there's not, oh there's not you know it's a different type of roster. Let's get to defensive player of the year. There's a little contention on this one, but we went with. Kenyon Martin, just for his grit and whatnot. I thought maybe Jay Kidd should have gotten this because he was all NBA defense, just saying. But I, I can't argue with Kmart. Yeah, Kmart is just a dog, man. I, I don't know. I just go for his tenacity and his dogness because that's what he was. He, You know, he was he was a chippy player. He would, you know, a little rough. I don't know if that qualifies you for defensive player of the year, but just from the grit standpoint, I think he deserves some his name mentioned somewhere. But we're gonna split. I think we should split it as the Kmart J Kid Award. But you know, um, that's fair. I think this next award, the MVP award, can go to. You can give it to a bunch of players. I think you can give it to J Kid. Obviously, if you're going with the ABA area, you have to give it to Julius Irving, but. We're going to go with the NBA era. Um, you can give it to a guy like Petrovic out of respect and his memory. Rest in peace. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's obvious. It's Darren Williams. I mean, uh, no, I, I, it's obviously Kevin Durant. It's obviously Kevin Durant. I mean, like, I don't think we're ever going to get a player of his caliber on our team ever. No, he's a all time. He's a Hall of Famer, all time great. I think that's that's very uh, that's suited well for him. And uh, I don't know. Like you said you could maybe throw Jay Kidd in there. I think it's Katie's trophy though. All right, guys, check us out on our YouTube, YouTube.com/slash at Netfans. You know. Check us out on Twitter, NetFans You Know, on IG, the only NetFans You Know. Have a great day. Have a great commute. Enjoy this street that we're on, and happy holidays.
I'm out. Do you think Mariah Carey would do a cover of All I Want for Christmas is Utah?